Hey guys, sorry we're late. <laughs> so what happened? And there was a hurricane and a fire at the same time. So we couldn't quite make it to the store last Friday. Did the store have power last Friday and Saturday? Nope. Did we have the emotional capacity to do anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did we want to? No. I desperately wanted to reschedule. But I didn't really <laughs> want to record. Yeah. And there is a difference. And I'm not sure if that was clear in my frantic text. No, it very much was clear. Yes. Like, I'm not asking us to do this now. I'm saying when can we. But uh, we got back to our normal night, which is uh, Friday nights. So we're back. Yay. Which means there will be an episode for you guys, not next week, but the week after, which I'm not using days because it's really confusing for our poor little brains. But <laughs> basically, we're on the bi-weekly schedule now. Yeah. Yay. Happy school year. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Nihilism is not practical. Um, but that being said, I'm Heidi and my house didn't lose power last week. I'm <laughs> Rory and mine did. We're pretty obsessed with books and music and movies, and every episode we talk about ones that we enjoy. Be warned, there are spoilers ahead. We are talking about my favorite book this week, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Fun fact, as a child, I thought the book was literally called Tequila Mockingbird. Oh my god. Like my entire childhood. Fun fact, my mom's a bartender. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, that was interesting. And then I don't know when I learned. I'm pretty sure it was ninth grade that I learned it was to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> and I think it was um, because I either heard a quote or because we were doing it like in school. Like we were reading it for school, which is why I got a copy. But yeah. <laughs> I uh, did not get this copy for school, but I did read it at first in school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got this copy in Oxford, actually. Yeah. One of my, like, three souvenir books is an American book. Like, yeah. I was very strict about, I can't buy all the pretty books. Yeah. I can't. Because uh, the British actually have gorgeous covers. Like, they're, they're so pretty. They so care so much. It's so great. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird is my favorite book. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. that until I was uh, packing to evacuate my house. Yeah. And realized, like, oh, I'm definitely grabbing this. Yeah. And I was also in the middle of reading it, so I was like, eh, gotta have something to do. <laughs> yeah, fair. For those of you who don't know the plot of To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> how, how, did, how did this happen to you? So there's a lot of ways to approach this, and my favorite way is to look at it as kind of sort of a, a mystery novel in mm-hmm. the sense that this is the first yeah. sentence of To Kill a Mockingbird. When he was nearly 13, my brother Jem got his arm badly broken at the elbow. And so this story is someone narrating their own childhood and just going from her age six to her age nine and talking about all the events that led up to this accident with Jem's arm. Yeah. Um, which this is spoilers ahead. So uh, Ooh. I can spoil it. Uh, she, she and Jem are attacked by uh, a man who their father opposed in court. Their dad's a defense attorney. And so he was defending someone that uh, that. This man was was trying to accuse of raping his daughter, even though it's it's so obvious in the court case <laughs> uh, that the African American man he's accusing did nothing of the sort. Yeah. Um. And they make that very very clear in the novel, and he is embarrassed and humiliated, even though he wins the case. Yeah. Because the whole town can tell that uh, Atticus, the narrator's father, 
successfully, you know, proved that that nothing happened. And so he tries to murder Atticus's children. You know, a great plan. <laughs> it worked. It's almost. Right. <laughs> except for uh, our resident ghost guy, Boo Radley. So Boo. Boo. <laughs> uh, and Boo Radley is great. And so the whole Aww. book, broadly speaking, I'm just kind of outlining so we can talk about all yeah. the quotes, is um, it's about prejudice and it opens up with being about the prejudice of children against this their sickly extremely reclusive neighbor and that is kind of the framing of it which Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite things about the book is that we don't meet their racial prejudice Mm -hmm. until after we kind of already understand that these are children yeah and they have stupid prejudices yeah so we don't get introduced to the town's prejudice this alabama town's prejudice against this african-american guy until after we've already kind of met how stupid prejudice is Um, (laughs) right and yeah so the narrator is an adult talking about her childhood and my English teacher in high school did not seem to grasp that she was not narrating it in the moment what (laughs) (laughs) like she's sitting there going does would a six-year-old know that word and we're all it's the past (laughs) oh Oof. You've heard many stories about this English teacher. Yes, I have. Who we need to keep her name off the podcast because I'm not here to get sued. No. Anyway. <laughs> Nobody's here to get sued. We're just here to talk about books and uh, gossip a little bit. Just a little bit. Not really. Spoonful of gossip helps <laughs> the podcast go down. <laughs> um. So yeah, I got all of the talky talks out of the way. Let's talk together conversation (laughs) that but they were haverfords in macomb county a name synonymous with jackass i love that (laughs) here's here's completely completely opposite type of quote uh people in their right minds never take pride in their talents (sighs) referring to inborn talents yeah uh here's where the title comes from it's where it flipped open to i was surprised uh, the kids are instructed not to shoot mockingbirds. Yeah. And uh, they're talking to their neighbor lady, and she says, quote, Your father's right, she said. Mockingbirds don't do one thing but make music for us to enjoy. They don't eat up people's gardens, don't nest in corn cribs. They don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. That's why it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just like this phrase. Men's stiff collars wilted. Oh. I yeah. like the I like the imagery of wilt, like the diction. <laughs> Oof. The <laughs> way tell I wrote an essay or something. Oh, I can. <laughs> I can. I can. And the way that the way that Harper Lee narrates is both very tongue in cheek and also not. It's not talking down to children. Yeah. But she also doesn't try to hide the mistakes that children make, which is yeah. like a fine kind of a fine line to walk as a narrator it's a fine wine of a book it's the dr pepper <laughs> <of> novels <laughs> and like dr pepper i have heard people vehemently hate on this book for no accountable reason <laughs> <laughs> you know they keep talking but i don't see any point to the words they're just they're d- they don't mm-mm, they're wrong they're wrong i can stand behind that opinion Anybody who doesn't like To Kill a Mockingbird is wrong. Like, you don't have to love it. You just have to be like, ah, yes, it's a good book. <laughs> oh, here's one. Jem and I found our father satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a good one. It's so funny because, like, 
when you know who Atticus Finch is, you're like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, that one is, that one's very good. I mean, I really, this entire book is, uh, is excellent at that. Oh, this is a great, this is a great passage. Uh, Scout Finch is the narrator, uh, and she is very much a tomboy. I identify with Scout Finch so hard. <laughs> like, you are a Scout Finch. Like, I'm a hardcore Scout Finch. Mm-hmm. Like, Scout Finch, Joe March, mm-hmm. and Shirley. Like, I feel like if I woke up in their stories, I could just, I wouldn't have to remember it. I would yeah. just behave correctly. Yeah. Um, so this is, <laughs> this is a passage about Scout, that Scout is describing uh, her aunt's opinion of her. <laughs> aunt Alexandra was fanatical on the subject of my attire. I could not possibly hope to be a lady if I wore breeches. When I said I could do nothing in a dress, she said I wasn't supposed to be doing things that required <laughs> pants. Aunt Alexandra's vision of my deportment involved playing with small stoves, tea sets, and wearing the Atta Pearl necklace she gave me when I was born. Furthermore, I should be a ray of sunshine in my father's lonely life. I suggested that one could be a ray of sunshine in pants just as well, but Auntie said that one had to behave like a sunbeam, that that I was born good, but had grown progressively worse every year. She hurt my feelings and set my teeth permanently on edge, but when I asked Atticus about it, he said there were already enough sunbeams in the family, and to go on about my business, he didn't mind me much the way I was. (laughs) There are enough sunbeams in this family. You're good. Uh, Oh, this is when she's talking about um Calperna mm-hmm. like their helper uh, nanny cook all the things hired help yeah. like the help yeah the single the one help yeah our battles were epic and one-sided <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see yep there are several like uh fights air quotes between Calperna and uh, Scout. Mm-hmm. And they're all great. <laughs> they're all Calperna like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cal- Calperna is great. I, I really, really, really like her. <laughs> Dale was a curiosity. Oh. <laughs> He's special. Dill is bizarre, and Dill is based on Truman Capote. There's also this really horrific theory that Truman Capote wrote to kill a mockingbird uh, because people are sexist. Right. And it's obvious from Harper Lee's letters that Harper Lee clearly wrote it, and he clearly didn't. And Truman Capote kind of tried to make it sound like that at one point because uh, To Kill a Mockingbird is far more successful than any of his books. Right. Like, nobody actually reads his books like right at the level that yeah this one book i would be surprised if all of his books sold more copies combined than than uh to kill a mockingbird right oh this is fantastic this is about education which uh we all know so scout finch comes to school knowing how to read and gets in huge trouble for it yep which (laughs) i feel so hard uh i understand like, I didn't really understand it at the time, but I understand why my parents homeschooled me in early education. I don't think the teachers would have survived. Right. Um. <laughs> so she's in first grade, uh, a capable reader, daughter of a lawyer. Not that surprising. Yeah. So it's kind of a long quote, but it's it's worth it. 
As for me, I knew nothing except what I gathered from Time magazine and reading everything I could lay my hands on at home, but as I inched sluggishly along the treadmill of the Maycomb County school system, I could not help receiving the impression that I was being cheated out of something. Out of what I knew not, yet I did not believe that 12 years of unrelieved boredom was exactly what the state had in mind for me. Me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yep. This is one of my favorite childhood mistakes that she makes. Um, so Mr. Avery, uh, they catch him peeing off his front porch mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. And so this is the next winter where he has threatened them. Uh, this is two passages, one on page, for me, 108, 111. So start of chapter eight. Again, mm-hmm. kind of long, but excellent. Mr. Avery said that it was written on the Rosetta Stone that when children disobeyed their parents, smoked cigarettes, and made war on each other, the seasons would change. Jem and I were burdened with the guilt of contributing to the aberrations of nature, thereby causing unhappiness to our neighbors and discomfort to ourselves. Next page. I wonder if Mr. Avery knew how hopefully we had watched last summer for him to repeat his performance and reflected that if this was our reward, there was something to say for sin. (laughs) I did not wonder where Mr. Avery gathered his meteorological statistics. They came straight from the Rosetta Stone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yep. Oh, so good. Read me some sweet, sweet quotes. A lot of it is like phrasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because, you know, I know there are good quotes in this book. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that I would want to highlight the entire thing. So I chose very interesting, like little phrasings. Like, I explained my vo- involvement in Walter's dietary affairs. <laughs> That's when she's talking about having oh, yeah. uh, told the teacher about um, Walter's dietary affairs. And, like, she got in trouble for it. It was very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the secret courts of men's hearts, Atticus had no case. This is a fight between Calperna and Scout. But it's when uh, Walter comes to eat lunch at their house. And uh, he, quote-unquote, drowns his dinner in syrup. So, like meat vegetables <laughs> like and he just pours syrup all over it and so uh scout is very like what are you doing <laughs> and so calperna requests for her presence in the kitchen <laughs> and but uh this is something that she says you ain't called on to contradict him <laughs> i like that i love that that boy's your company and if you and if he wants to eat up the tablecloth, you let him. You hear? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I came to the conclusion that people were just peculiar. I withdrew from them and never thought about them until I was forced to. <laughs> I get you, Scout. Oh, uh, honey. Me too, hon. Yeah, the development of their uh, relationship to Boo Radley... More accurately, yeah. the way they think about Boo Radley is really interesting. And it's it's hard to explain, so I'm not going to really try. But basically, kind of, the way that the kids imagine this recluse over, over the, the course of the novel, which takes place over about three years, is really, really interesting. And it, it, uh, it, warms, it warms me. It always makes me feel like it I'm learning something. Me. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird because the first time I read it, uh, like all my classmates hated it. So I was like, yeah, okay. So like halfway through the book, I just had the mindset of like, oh, I hate this. It sucks. Oh, it's horrible. So boring. Oh. And then like I kept reading it. I'm like, this is actually really good. <laughs> Guys, you're all stupid. Oof. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Well, it's okay. Because that's correct. This this book is excellent. I was beginning to learn his body English. Like, ugh. Ugh. Like, instantly. You know exactly what that means. Yeah. Um, and this is great for that, too. Like, it. it's really very much... I also like to think of it, or the way that I kind of primarily think of it, is like that mystery thing I mentioned, but also as mm-hmm. a trauma narrative, where it's this adult trying to work out what happened when she was a child right and so it's an adult using adult phrasing to explain kind of the seriousness and the mentality of kids because kids are not kids are lighthearted, but kids are not joking very often yeah and so the idea that like she's explaining it with kind of the seriousness and formality like my involvement in walter's dietary affairs (laughs) it's like that's how an adult would explain it and the conversation was about why he didn't have lunch yeah but it's like, oh, no, I had to get involved in his constant and permanent state of hunger because our teacher doesn't know anything. And like yeah. that it's very I am trying to explain to another adult what it felt like. Yeah. And so I'm using our vocabulary to try to capture this feeling that's that we don't have anymore. Yeah. Is really, really freaking cool. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I yeah. tend to approach it as like a trauma narrative. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's there's b- brilliant, beautiful articles I can no longer access through my college because they, they took away my access codes a year after I uh, I graduated. Ooh. Well, you get what you get. Yeah. Fair. Mm. But, um, but yeah. I, I can't, I can't love it more. More. I yeah. can only love it different. And every year I love it different. Yeah. Because every year... Uh, the farther removed I am from my childhood, the more I enjoy this book. Yeah. Because it, it really does, like, put you back in, in a kid's shoes. And the, the harder it is to get into it without something like a story, mm-hmm. the more enjoyable it is when a story can just let you right. slip right back into that feeling. So. Yeah. I like it. It's good. <laughs> so this book is set in the 20s. Fast forward. 1945. Ooh, what a good transition. In 1945, the Brooklyn Dodgers brought up the very first African-American ball player into the major leagues, which had previously been exclusively white. Whiteness is a construct. Don't at me. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a movie about the story of Jackie Robinson called 42. 42 which is uh, his baseball number and the only number retired by all of Major League Baseball. He's just that amazing. Mm -hmm. He is an amazing man. Uh, He was an amazing man, and he was not only a great baseball player and and undoubtedly one of the best, uh, but also that he was able to endure kind of being the first African-American. There's the quote in the movie, one of the, I don't remember what his job is, but one of the overseers of the Dodgers says to the owner, Mr. Ricky, there's a code. You break a law, some men will think you're smart. You break an unwritten code, 
you'll get shunned for it. And so there's some horrific racial abuse Ooh. portrayed. I got so mad the first time I watched that movie. Like, I, um, <laughs> we were, it was not long ago. It was like a few weeks ago for me. And I just, I had to pause it and yell a few times. It was, ooh, one man is just horrific. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah, I hadn't watched it for the first time until a few months ago, the last time I went to California. Oh, huh. Yeah. Nice. I've just, it's very quickly yeah. become one of my favorites. Yeah. Like a good sports movie. Yeah. I love a good sports movie. <gasps> love a good sports movie. And and baseball has a lot of room for a good sports movie because football has a lot of moving pieces. Uh-huh. Baseball, it's so easy to kind of focus and show those emotional moments because there is so much kind of breath and pause and then action like built yeah. into the game. Yeah. So it's very built for storytelling because mm-hmm. you can really highlight kind of one character's perspective because you're not losing track of like the whole thing. Like football, you you feel like you're not really following the game yeah. in a good football movie. Baseball, you're actually like, the game is the narrative, which right. is really interesting. Yeah. It's kind of funny because um, I remember as a kid, I had a baseball movie that I liked. And it, I think it was the only sports movie that I liked. But it was like a cartoon. Mm. And it was one about like Babe Ruth's, Babe Ruth's oh. bat. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Babe Ruth's it. bat goes like missing. And this one kid finds it. And it's just his journey to return this bat. And he's got a baseball with him. But it's like, it's also a talking baseball. And it's not like the bat's supposed to be talking. Like, he's very, like, stunned by it the first time. But, mm-hmm. like, it's so cute. And it's just him in this journey to get this bat back to Babe Ruth. And it's so cute. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it so yeah. much. Also, one of growing up, one of my favorite base- baseball movies and also favorite movies was The Rookie. Mm-hmm, which uh, mm-hmm. is great. Have you seen that one? No. Ooh, I'm that's on the list. Currently adding it to the to the movies list. Yeah, right now. Um, it's on. Our, oh, it's on the podcast list. But yeah. I'm adding it to the other list too because it's great okay. and rent. Anyway, yep. anywho, uh, 42 stars Harrison Ford and Chadwick Bosman. I feel like I've said enough to make you know you should watch it. Yep. Yeah, he's a he's so great. Um, and they do a really good job of kind of giving us enough information about the sport mm-hmm. that if you don't really know baseball, you can kind of get all the rules as you go, the ones that you need. It doesn't right. feel like it's um, assuming you also know all of the inner strategies, yeah. which I've noticed that more of a weakness of, again, football movies. Yeah. But there's exceptions to every rule. That's true. Ugh. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there is one. I'm sure there is one. I've seen a lot of football movies where I'm expected to understand. Blindside. The answer is the blindside. Hmm. Have you seen that one? Mm-mm. We're finding out all the movies Rory's never seen on this episode. Are Really? This episode? <laughs> I've seen so little movies. I just re-watched the movies that I have seen over S- and over again. Same. And delightfully, our lists don't overlap Everywhere, yeah, that's there true. are so many movies we can watch. Hey, this is why this podcast exists, so that we have to watch <laughs> movies and read books. <laughs> yup, that's exactly it. That yeah, that's it's one hundred percent. That's the reason. at least at least ninety five percent of it. No joke. Yeah, uh, okay. the other five percent is because we want to make sure we have conversations. Hey, 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 hey. forty two. 
uh, it's really nice that it's uh, it's the Dodgers too, which has always been my favorite team. And that was that's a historical fact, but it's cool. That's an historical fact. Yeah, they do a really good job too of like the different relationships between characters, like Jackie mm-hmm. and his wife, and uh, the reporter who follows him. Different players on the Dodgers: Leo DeRoche, the manager; Mister um, Ricky, the owner. Like they do a good job of giving us like really fleshed out characters. And understandably, these are all based on real people, but that they actually bother to kind of flesh out those stories enough that you kind of, you get the feeling that this world exists and that they kind of rebuilt the world of the actual Brooklyn Dodgers in 1945 instead of sort of fudging it or just being like, eh, you know about this, right? You understand this. It doesn't kind of have that feeling, which is really, you know, that's always nice for historical movies. It's also given us a great, great sass, sassy thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, it may not be a sufficient reply. That is excellent. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh my gosh. Also, the child who's mm-hmm. trying to explain to his mother what's happening, he's like, he discombobulated the man. <laughs> that was great. It's such clever writing. There's Because in, in that scene, the kid's explaining this very obscure baseball rule to his mom. Yeah, But because they used a kid, it doesn't feel like just handing this thing off to the audience. Yeah. Because it could have been uh, handled much more poorly if it was two adults or another player. Like, they do a good job of handling the, we have to explain this because not everybody knows about this rule because it doesn't come up very often. Like, I played Little League Baseball, and that's definitely a rule in Little League, and it never came up. Yeah. In years. Like, I've never seen it in a game. Yeah, me too. And, uh... Yeah, no, <laughs> never. Fun fact, I played baseball for till I was, like, I don't remember the age, but I played baseball for, like, years. Oh, Into so the years of being, like, the only girl on the team because everybody else went to softball. Oh, <laughs> me and you. Dude, <laughs> I did not know that. This I is so fun. I did that for, like, two to three years, and then I did softball mm. just because I, like, my, my friend was doing it or something. But, mm. yeah, that was, that was... <laughs> My dad was the coach. Um, <laughs> yeah. He became the coach. And so after my first year of T-ball, and uh, uh-huh. he was a he was a excellent, excellent little league coach. <laughs> like, as in people would fight to be on our team. <laughs> um, and he was one of the few little league coaches. Because uh, on Maui, you can play as a girl in little league very, very far. Yeah. Um, you can kind of play almost as far as you want. Yeah. In the Little League, if if you're, um, there comes a point where, like, you do have to try out and stuff. But if you're right. in, until that point, um, if you're enjoying playing with the boys, nobody's getting hurt by the girls playing with them. Yeah. And his was one of the few teams that, like, girls would come back to play on. Right. Like, we had the biggest rate of girl retention, in part, I think, because they knew there would be at least one girl on the team. Yeah. Me. But hey. also... Um, because he was so good at like coaching people into being better than they were. Yeah. So it wasn't a contest between right. the team. It was like, if all of us get a little better, we're going to be great. Yeah. And uh, if all of us work together and stuff. Just oh. side note, my dad's a great little league coach. Hi, dad. Hey. If anyone is listening from Maui, Coach Dave. If y'all remember Coach Dave, he was great. He was great. He's still great. He's just not coaching Little League. <laughs> He's doing fine. He's just not a Little League coach anymore because uh, I don't play Little just League. not doing great at that specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
gonna wash that sport right out of my hair. Uh, no, baseball's my fave. And 42 is also another one of those pretty movies. So, yeah, I like baseball's it. Baseball's great. So great. It's oh, so, so, so pretty. It's so pretty. And, yeah. Both, both of these things have a really strong... Nostalgia's a loaded word. Yeah. Like, as in... Nostalgia's used, or at least this is a thing we had to hear about in college a lot. Nostalgia's used to kind of erase the difficult parts of the past uh-huh. by talking about like, oh, don't you remember the good old days back when everything was simple and everybody was happy? And it's like, oh, you mean the 50s when segregation was still alive and also right. people could smoke in hospitals? Right. Um, <laughs> like that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I feel like both of these things did a really good job of avoiding that. Like yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird came out in 1960. It's about the 1920s and it does not, uh, 1920s to 30s, and it does not play nice yeah, no. with the past. Um, sorry, more. I've said 1920s so many times. 1930s. It's during yeah. Prohibition. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm smart, but not that smart. It also doesn't say the year in the book. I don't feel that bad. Um, yeah. Anywhere in the books. It doesn't say. It, it does not. You have to figure it out based on, like, prohibition and stuff. Yeah. But, um, but 42 is also, like, not, doesn't pretend that Jackie Robinson had an easy time yeah. or even necessarily enjoyed being yeah. Jackie Robinson. Trademark. Like, he breaks a baseball bat. Against a wall. And that is it's so, so difficult. <laughs> that is... Oh my gosh. That is like, oh my gosh, Chadwick, so strong. <laughs> that scene is also gorgeous with just Harrison yes. Ford, your medicine jack. Uh, 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 wow. wow. And so we struggle bust to find something that would kind of match the balance on these two. Like the balance between lo- loving the problematic past kind yeah. of vibe. <laughs> Until we finally settled on Oh What a Life by American by Authors. American authors. Oof, that was off time. That's fine. Oh, whenever I think of something being like slightly off time, I just think of uh, our mashup and the very end of. <laughs> the duh at the very end <laughs> because we're both we both done theater and so we both like actually say duh at yeah. the end mm-hmm. of words and so there's just two little clicks yeah word is satisfied and satisfied can we do you want to talk about american authors or should we talk more about us no let's go to american authors all right what's your favorite song in the album Ooh, let me by the way, for some context, this is the one that, um, this, these are the peoples that, hold on, <laughs> I almost wrote author American. <laughs> oh, getting real <laughs> library on this podcast. <laughs> author, comma, American. American. <laughs> author, comma, comma, sure. Okay, so this is the band that did, uh best day of my life which you probably know oh yeah it was very popular mm-hmm. and believer they also did believer yeah i'm just a believer that one yeah okay so my favorite song might either be um love or hit it Ooh, yeah or no not hit it home mm-hmm. 
and it's great too but home okay yeah yeah i'm because it reminds me of home oh yeah yeah yeah. it's a very like mm, home <laughs> yeah i'm not trying to stop a hurricane <laughs> <laughs> i'm not trying to shake the ground below <laughs> i'm just trying to find a way to make it back home um, um because it also reminds me of home uh my favorite song is e- is probably luck yeah luck is great and oh what a life i really like oh yeah the, the, this is possibly it's the only one i can think of that's for sure yeah where the title track is my favorite yeah like usually i kind of hate title tracks yeah me too they're not always bad, but they're almost, they're basically never my favorite. Yeah, they're never the best one. <laughs> yeah, this one's up there. Uh, home and Love are both great. Yeah. I think I like Love slightly more than Home. Yeah. And it it's because of the opening line of Home. Yeah. I've got these letters tattooed on my arm that remind me each second of where I come from. And it's just because every time I think about those... Uh, <laughs> you think of when people get, I like, think of area codes <laughs> tattooed on themselves. <laughs> Or the zip code last name, which whenever I see people with their zip code or their last name tattooed on their body, I'm like, are you? That one gets lost a lot. Yeah. Are you going to get lost? (laughs) Do you just expect me to walk you back to Haiku? Are you lost? Do I need to contact this number? Like, do I walk down to Wailuku and just like, I found a Cravalho. (laughs) Is anyone missing a Cravalho? So, it's always boys. Y'all know you don't change your name at any yeah. point in your lifetime. And, like, none of them seem like feminists. Yeah. Th- that is a generalization. Yeah. I'm aware that I could be wrong. But none of them seem like the type of guy who would, like, volunteer to give up their last name yeah. or hyphenate. Like, you're keeping it. You're keeping it on your license and your birth certificate. And yeah. So, home is always, like, I like it. <laughs> but it takes me a second to get past the first, like, 30 seconds and then I'm right. good. Whereas love um love al- always sneaks up on me. Yeah. Because it's very uh it's very like the past was not great and it's super hopeful. One day we're going to look back at the past in love instead of being happy nostalgia. It's like yeah. someday this won't th- someday we won't hate that this happened. Yeah. And I'm like Someday we'll be nostalgic. Someday we'll throw it all back. (laughs) (laughs) The wind in our hair. (laughs) Your hand on the small of my back. (laughs) I'm horrified. Oof. Ooh, peak oof. Oof. Also, this is a weird feeling, but I was listening to it a little bit and like thinking about it because we have to talk about it on the podcast. Right. And I realized kind of I've been trying to figure out what I feel like they sound like. And they sound like they're covering an album from the past. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. it sounds very like they wrote a song that was in like the 60s style or the 80s style and then covered it in their own. So it's almost like they they have a very distinct sound. When you listen to song after song, you kind of pick up what it is. Yeah. But like Believer feels like a cover of another person's song. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure they write all their own music. It's more of like, it's it's not easy to quantify what it is that makes it sound like American authors. And every song kind of feels like, oh, this is an 80s inspired song or this is a 70s inspired song. Right. So it's got this really interesting timelessness to it, which yeah. I, I love a band where you don't immediately know what year the album came out. Uh. 
like I love me some good 2005 stuff. How good. How lovely. Well, 2005 was also great. Yeah. People still used the drums. The president that is currently president wasn't the president. Nixon also wasn't president. (laughs) (laughs) Like, doing good. The past. (laughs) Someday we'll look back on the past in love. (laughs) Someday. Not today. Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. The one that I'm mad that isn't everywhere is Heart of Stone. Yeah. Like, that is my favorite of the jams on the album. So, if you haven't haven't listened (laughs) to Heart of Stone, that one's great. Do so. Hey. If you hear weird background noises, we record near the highway and next to other stores. And so sometimes there's sound effects. Sometimes there's sound. It just makes a noise. You have no idea how many blown takes there were when we were recording like side effects and avoiding train wrecks <laughs> of um of like a siren goes by. <laughs> and I think one of them we straight up just left in. Yeah. Like th- if you listen very closely to Juliet, there's a siren. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not on purpose. We just all looked at each other and went, eh, fits. Eh, fits. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Roll credits. Nope. <laughs> that. Oh, <laughs> we have a segment before that. <laughs> it's my turn to to do that thing to say the magic words. Oh, that's wait, is it? Yeah, yeah, because I think it's I. Th- we're doing this now. I've decided, whoever says the credits doesn't do the other thing. Oh, okay. So an- opening and ending is one person, and then the other yeah. thing is the other thing. I think that's how we've been doing it on accident, but now it's official. Cool. It's time for you to ask me a question. What's your wreck of the week? Erase me by under oath. It's so good. Oh my gosh. You've been so excited to say that. (laughs) Those very words this entire day. Oh my gosh. No, I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so, so excited. Here's some context. That's some under oath. So under oath broke up a few years ago and they got back together to make this album. But before they broke up, the last original member left the band. It was a big thing. And they made an album as like a big F you to everyone that thought Under Oath couldn't be Under Oath without Aaron Gillespie. (coughs) And so they made an album called Disambiguation, in which they're previously basically hardcore singer only, which is like screamo music. He had to do all the singing parts because they'd already written the music for Aaron's voice. So when they made Erase Me, they both sing. And Spencer Uh, screams. Also... Spencer Chamberlain, that is the best name for a... Oh, my gosh. For the heavy vocalist, <laughs> right? Oh, uh, yep. So Spencer also sings, and it is... It's a pretty... It's fairly hardcore if you're into mainstream rock. Like, it's a little bit harder, like, kind of that post-hardcore thing. If you're into screamo, it's going to be a little light for you. For me, it brings up, like, that awesome <laughs> heavy music nostalgia <laughs> right. without being as crazy heavy. Yeah. Like... The songs are songs you can sing along to easily, yeah. as opposed to having to figure out what the melody would be. It's so good. It's so raw and honest. It's very <laughs> about addiction and recovery and struggling with, you know, kind of push and pull stuff. Right. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, you were there when I first started listening to it, and I had yep. the, this big dopey grin on my face. <laughs> um, yep. It's very good. And... It has some great lines, like, bloodlust is real, you can't make me feel. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, 
Yep. I, the emo kid in me is singing along, and also the uh, hipster that I currently am is also singing along. Yep. Also, hipster, we're going to redeem that term because we need a word for people who aren't peppy. Yep. Anyway. My wreck of the week is Erase Me by Under Oath, and I have a couple songs we need to listen to from it in the car, because it's great. I listened to one of them today, <gasps> after listening to American Authors. Which one was it? Life. The second one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, the one with the cool chord change. Yeah, that one's <laughs> good. Rapture. Yeah, Rapture. Um, if I'm going to recommend a song... Specifically, I would start with uh, In Motion, mm-hmm. and then if you're like, or In Motion or Rapture, and then if you like that... The whole album. Right. I'm so excited. I've been so excited to talk about this all day. Rory, what is your wreck of the week? Uh, My wreck of the week is Love Tap by Small Pools. I love that album so much. (laughs) She just hit her head. Uh, I did. Rory showed me this album and I downloaded it and have listened to the whole thing several times. It's so good. Mm -hmm. There's some really interesting, like, it's kind of... um, it a little bit reminds me of a mixture kind of of Passion Pit and uh, American Authors, mm-hmm. just a little bit, because it's a little poppy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like it, and there's some interesting music stuff in it that's like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That is brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so, so good. It reminds me of Jonesetta, too, which mm. is kind of like a deep cut. Mm-hmm. But um, But yeah, no, it's like, yeah. This is music, this is like straight up driving music. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And also, so I was looking at some of their other stuff, mm-hmm. and they made an album of like covers of one of their um, like hit type songs from that one album, Love Tap. Mm-hmm. So they made like four covers, four or five covers of uh dreaming mm-hmm. in the style of different bands like one of them is dreaming in the style of the chain smokers oh, that's peak nerd i love they're it. all so good and so funny like you forget that they're the same song and you're listening to the same words over and over again oh i love that but like they're all so different and they're great like i was listening to that last night and it was oh so nice I love that. I'm gonna have to. I I may have to break my cardinal rule and just get a subscription to something because I'm getting too much music too quickly. That's why I had to. Yeah, I'm like I I'm like you give me too much music and then I I like to explore music because I'm again I'm sensitive to sound mm-hmm. and so when I want to listen to music it's probably the smartest thing for me to listen to music. Yeah, for me it's more like I really like owning. I like owning it because I have lost hard drives before right so it's nice to have backups and stuff but i may have to figure out something i need to investigate and decide i'll probably go apple music and then everyone will be like ah you finally caved and i'll be like yep (laughs) i succumbed to the inevitable which is a quote from uh to kill a mockingbird (laughs) i simply bowed to the inevitable oof call it back brought it all the way around just in time for roll credits this podcast is produced by me. <laughs> Rory and I both do pre-production and we record at Lahaina Music. I didn't open up the uh, documents, so I'm just going to freewheel this. 
Our music is Downtown Love by Reese from his EP, It's Okay to Be Sad. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can leave us a review on iTunes. And if you don't know how to do that, get in touch with me on social media. The links are in the description. And if you're really enjoying this show, consider becoming a patron on Patreon. My Patreon is patreon.com slash H-I-D-T-U-R-N-E-R. And that helps with equipment and stuff like that so that we have time to record and make podcasts and music. And Rory and I have made music together, so it's not just me. It's if just you my check name. Check that out. Check it out. <laughs> How far I'll go. Slash slash satisfied. But uh, it's just my name because Rory is a minor. So uh, yeah, we'll see you next time with a book we haven't picked and the movies we haven't picked and music we haven't wait for it. See you then. <laughs>